Hey guys, hope you're all doing well. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Tajik Magic Podcast. And first of all, I would like to start by apologizing to all those people who actually care for not recording an episode in a while. It's been around two weeks since I last recorded an episode. And uh, that is the longest gap in between episodes so far. And that is because I've been quite busy the last few weeks. Um, I've been running around you know, trying to solve my visa problems. Uh, for those who don't know, I'm currently in Pakistan, trying to get to Canada where my university is. And ideally, I had hoped to get to Canada before the 7th of September, where, which is the day my university starts. Uh, but unfortunately uh due to some issues and um yeah me getting the visa later than expected i have to delay my uh trip back to canada uh, i think i'll be getting there around uh er late september early october now um which shouldn't be too much of a problem because majority of universities in canada right now are online so yeah i'll just be studying virtually from canada the only thing that's gonna be quite uh, tough is the time zone <laughs> one of my classes starts at 3 30 a.m in canada and it lasts till 6 30 a.m so uh, i'll be sleeping the whole day and you know kind of working like an owl um but yeah so that'll just be for around a month i can deal with that and then hopefully I'll be in Canada late September, early October. Um, but yeah, these last two weeks, it's not only been the visa troubles that's been occupying my time. I've also, you know, been doing other stuff, you know, chores and running errands and trying to um, read more books, trying to really get into reading and um, yeah, trying to spend more time with my family, with my siblings, my parents before I get back to Canada and I'm away from them again for uh, God knows how long. Uh, last time it was seven, eight months. I didn't see them before that around, um, yeah, around the same, like seven, eight months to about a year. Um, yeah, so I'm just trying to uh, spend as much time with them as possible before I get back. Uh, yeah, you definitely miss them a lot when you're away from that long. So, yeah, and um, I, I have had uh, quite a bit of free time on my hands as well. I've been on my phone a lot and watched some movies and, you know, kind of tried to enjoy the last few weeks of summer break before university starts again. Um, but I I like to record uh, episodes when I'm completely free, when there's nothing on my mind, when, you know, it's just, uh, I guess you could say like a chill vibe. Um yeah, and that's what I had today, <laughs> just completely free, nothing to worry about. And yeah, and I, I've been rec wanting to record this episode for a couple of days or maybe a week now, but um, only now that I found a great time to do it. And I wanted to talk about uh, one of the biggest uh, news that has been all over every headline for the past uh, two three weeks and it's uh afghanistan so yeah the world is going crazy right now <laughs> and uh, this is one of the main issues currently um yeah i i i i've seen it all over social media and i've seen people you know try to talk about it and a lot of people do know what's going on like you know tell the taliban took over afghanistan and uh, the u.s is pulling out of afghanistan and you know, after a 20-year-long mission, you know, uh, the simple stuff, they, all know, they know all of that, but they don't really know, like, what's going on, or what was going on, like, why was the U.S. there for so long, who are the Taliban, where did they come from, and just the history of it all, and uh, I don't know if everyone else feels the same way, but for me personally, I believe it's important to know what's going on, you know, all around the world, um, we're all on the same planet, so I think you should, you know, kind of have an idea of what's going on uh, um yeah everywhere on earth uh yeah it, it it doesn't matter if it's halfway across the world or if it's right next to you 
uh, and they should know about kind of the history of it. So I wanted to make this podcast just for those curious about what's actually happening, how it started, and yeah, just the history of it. And um, yeah, just kind of let people know about it, just educate some people on it. And yeah, and for those who who are listening, who are uh, learning about uh, some of what I'm about to talk about, um, I would love to hear about your opinions and your thoughts on it as well. Uh, So feel free to text me anytime. Uh, I mean, everyone who's listening are probably my friends, so they know where to contact me. And yeah, so hope you guys enjoy this one. And uh, as you probably noticed, there I don't have any guests this time. It's just me doing it solo. Um, yeah, I don't think there is a, a need for a guest today because I'm just going to be talking about the history of a country, a history of the Taliban and the U.S. and yeah, all that. So it's just going to be me talking most of the time. So it'd be kind of pointless having a guest on here. But maybe I will do another episode talking about uh, this issue but with a guest, and um, since I will already be talking about the history today, maybe the next time with the guest, we'll just be talking about our thoughts and opinions on it. And uh, yeah, so for those who like the history and like politics and all that, it should be kind of interesting. And uh, again, I'm no expert on this. Um, I just have a lot of interest in this kind of stuff, in the history and politics. So I did quite a bit of research. That doesn't make me an expert, but... I would say I know the the basics of what was going on, what is happening right now. Um, so yeah, let's let's get straight to it. Uh, Afghanistan. So when when I was reading about this issue about Afghanistan and the Taliban and everybody you know knows about the war in Afghanistan and how you know troops are deployed there all the time, but. I don't think anybody really knows like what why the troops are there what what they're doing. I think they just think like you know they're fighting against terrorists, which in part is true, but uh, not not entirely. So when thinking about what's happening in Afghanistan, so let's get the basics out of the way. So the Taliban took over Afghanistan. Now, um, for the first time in over twenty years, they've they have complete control over the whole country or majority of the country let's say and uh yeah so that's the basics of it and who are the taliban that's i think where we should start when we're going more deep into it and where did they come from and to know about that we have to go way back in time and kind of learn about the history of afghanistan so let's talk a little bit about the country afghanistan it's uh, so kind of surrounded by superpowers. It's been surrounded by superpowers throughout its history. To the south, they have India, um, very big country. To the east, they have China. To the north, they have Russia. To the west, Europe and America. So it's kind of like in the middle in the world map. And it's a very mountainous country, which is something you should bear in mind, which is a, it's a very important fact very mountainous country like you know the roads aren't straight it's um like if if from one destination to another it's 100 kilometers in any other country you'd think oh maybe like you know an hour and a half drive right but in afghanistan it literally takes maybe sometimes even days to reach from that point to the other because of you know how mountainous and rocky it is so uh yeah so bear that in mind and Afghanistan wasn't always this, you know, war-torn country. I mean, everybody my age and uh, everybody in their 30s, 40s, all they've ever known about Afghanistan is war, war, war. But it wasn't always like this. In the 60s, they were a very prosperous country. They had, you know, democracy. Well, not democracy. They had, like, elections and women's rights and women worked and they had education. And um, the women were wearing, like, you know, skirts and... Uh, basically they were allowed to like dress like western people and they had like movies and uh, theaters and all that kind of stuff so it was a pretty modern country and it was led by Muhammad Zahir Shah and uh, yeah so he was uh, he was modernizing the country and uh, he had a cousin uh, Muhammad Dahoud Khan so Muhammad Dahoud Khan uh, well I guess to know 
more about him we have to go even further back in history and uh, yeah i don't want to get that deep into it <laughs> but basically muhammad dahud khan is was the cousin of this king muhammad zahir shah and he staged a coup against his cousin and uh he essentially he became the new leader and he was uh very close to this ethnic group the pashtuns and he had a lot of support from them and he felt that Afghanistan wasn't represented enough by this eth ethnic group so he was going to take charge and he was going to um represent these people more so uh he took charge and um it, it, there wasn't a big difference like uh, in terms of how the country was it was still pretty modern and uh all that um but everyone hated him <laughs> uh all the ethnic groups were against him you know the the traditional islamic groups and the western groups and the leftists and everyone was against him and in 1978 there was a revolution and um muhammad dahud khan was replaced by uh, excuse me <coughs> by a, a communist party the people's Democ it's called the people's democratic uh, party of afghanistan the pdpa and it's a communistic party so they overthrew him they took charge and it was obviously backed by uh the soviet union at that time the ussr um the ussr you know was trying to spread communism all over the world and uh yeah so after the communist party took over afghanistan they start supporting them they backed them they helped them and uh yeah th again not much has changed there were still women's rights there was still equality well um for the most part <laughs> and uh yeah but the rural people the traditional local people a lot of them were against it uh, against the communism um so the leader of this communist party was nur muhammad taraki he was the president and his prime minister or vice president or and whatever they call it in where whichever country you were in basically second to the president was hafizullah amin he was a pretty brutal guy and uh yeah many people weren't fond of him <laughs> there were riots and protests against him and he would uh jail and kill people who uh speak spoke out against him and uh yeah not a lot of freedom of speech and um taraki the president was pretty suspicious of amin and uh amin found out that taraki is plotting something against him so amin kills taraki and the situation kind of gets worse and uh there's um yeah there's more riots and protests and all that and uh the ussr uh feel that at this point they need to intervene they need to go into afghanistan and they need to take control and there's a funny story uh like kind of in between all of this and it was that the ussr tried to poison amin and what they what they did is they put poison in his food and the thing is at that time in afghanistan coca-cola was really popular so while he was eating his food he drank coca-cola with it and the acidity of coca-cola killed the poison so it made it ineffective so i mean walked out the next day and the us sir is like what the hell happened and they found out he drank he drank coke which saved his life so you know if next time someone tells you it's unhealthy now you have an excuse <laughs> but anyway getting back to the story um at that time the leader of the ussr was brezhnev and he took control and he removes amin from power and uh yeah they basically go into afghanistan and uh the ussr at this point was kind of worried that the same thing would happen to afghanistan as uh it did with iran so what happened with iran is it was kind of the same it was like you know this modern country prosperous very western i guess or um approaching that western style and the the traditional people took over and they made an islamic state and um yeah the ussr didn't want the same to happen they wanted to um expand their communistic influence so they they went into afghanistan with that fear and the traditional people the local people weren't very fond of it because i mean these guys were entering their country right so they they came in in 1979 the ussr with land and air invasion and uh 
yeah, basically took control of the country. The tribal warlords, um, they didn't like it. They tried to fight against it. And the USSR um, quite easily beat them. And here's where the interesting part starts. The tribal warlords and all these traditional people, they back into the mountains. And this is where they start the guerrilla warfare. So guerrilla warfare, um, for those who don't know, it's kind of what Vietnam did against the Russia, uh, against um, the USA in the 60s. Uh, during the Vietnam War, they're kind of, they know they can't, you know, go weapon for weapon and um, just go into the battlefield against the USA. They're going to get smashed. The USA has all the weapons and all the technology and all that. But what these guys have is they know the land. They know the land and they know where to hide and they know how to, you know, kind of blend in with the environment. And yeah, that's what they did really well. And this is kind of the strategy that these guys were employing. And they backed into the mountains where the tanks and uh, so the, the again, this is going back to how I described Afghanistan. It was a mountainous country, and the 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 tanks and the cars and you know all these big big weapons and equipment from Soviet Union they they couldn't chase them back into the mountains because I mean you can't drive a tank in the mountain. <laughs> so these guys would go back. They would hide in caves and um, they kind of uh, went back and. Um, force the USA to kind of fight their fight, fight uh, with their strategy. So uh, the Soviets, uh, yeah, they were trying to uh, find a way to beat them with this. They've, it was uh, very difficult for them. And uh, what these local people did was they united and they called themselves the Mujahideen. So what these Mujahideen did was they declared this a jihadi war, which uh, in definition is a holy war against Islam, basically. And uh, what this did was not only did it make the motivation even stronger to fight against the communistic uh, Soviets, uh, but it also not only united the Afghans, but it brought many people from Arab countries, many Muslims from all around the world, um, because they're saying, okay, this is a jihadi war, they're fighting against our religion, so we kind of have a, a responsibility to come and contribute to help these guys. And uh, this is uh, where another famous guy that a lot of people may or may not know, Bin Laden, came into Afghanistan as well, and he started his terrorist organization, Al-Qaeda, and uh, we will get to that later. So yeah, they started this guerrilla warfare, and the USSR, like I said, they couldn't get their heavy equipment, their weapons, their cars, their tanks um, into the mountains. So uh, what they did was <laughs> uh, they were carrying some of their weapons on the backs of donkeys. <laughs> and uh, they also uh, got helicopters. It's called a Mule 24 gunship, these massive helicopters. And they would just start shooting down at them and... Uh, yeah, so this kind of put the USSR in control again and gave them the advantage. And uh, during this time, uh, the Mujahideen were supported by the US uh, by because um, the Cold War was going on around this time, the Soviet Union versus USA. So the US didn't want the Soviets to expand their communist influence. And... Uh, they uh, they kind of what they did was like shadow fighting so they were supplying the mujahideen with weapons and uh funding them so they could fight back against the usa and uh at this time saudis were all saudi uh, saudi arabia they were also helping the mujahideen they were giving them funding and uh so was pakistan pakistan was helping them and uh that was because um Pakistan is kind of in between India and Afghanistan. So they already have bad relations with India. So they don't want on the other side to also have bad relations with Afghanistan. So they're trying to kind of help the Mujahideen to uh, strengthen their relationship. So they don't have two enemies on both sides. And um, yeah, so the uh, US, Pakistan, Saudi all tried to help them. They supplied them with weapons. They uh, fund uh, gave them funding and... Uh, yeah, again, the fighters abroad came to fight the jihadi war. And 
uh, a game changer in this war was the U.S. supplying the Mujahideen with uh, Stinger missiles. It's like, um, I, I don't really know my weapons very well, but I guess like kind of like a bazooka for people <laughs> who don't know weapons either. Bazooka or RPG, whatever you call it. But these massive missiles that... Uh, so like the helicopters that the Soviets used was bulletproof against like small arms, against AK-47s, all that. Nothing would happen to them, but these missiles would destroy the helicopters. And it was a game changer because they would just hide and they would just fire at the helicopters. And it got to a point where they would down two helicopters a day. And the, these helicopters cost about $10 million. And the Stingers cost about $40,000. So you you know what's more valuable. <laughs> and uh, you know who's uh, feeling... Um, the more negative effect of it. And uh, so this went on for a long time and the US kind of saw that this war is not winnable. And, uh, um, you know, Afghanistan for, I mean, throughout history has been known as the graveyard of empires just because of how their land is, you know, mountainous area and it's very difficult to conquer. And the USSR soon realized this and they announced, okay, yeah, we. We cannot continue this war. There is no benefit for us. And uh, yeah, it clearly looks like we are not going to win anytime soon. And we're suffering a lot of casualties and we're losing a lot of money. So we're going to back out. We're going to exit Afghanistan. And in 1988, they made it official that they were going to leave. And, and a year later, in 1989, they fully left. Um, but the damage was still there. They uh, did a lot of damage while uh, they were still there. Um, well, uh, they created a lot of refugees, obviously. The women and children, they escaped. They went to neighboring countries. They went to my country, Tajikistan, a lot of them. They went to uh, Iran. They went to Pakistan. And uh, another horrific thing about this war was these Mujahideen, they were like, you know, normal people. They're like farmers and um, just normal guys from small villages. So a lot of the time, it would be very difficult to distinguish them from the normal farmers to, you know, these these guerrilla fighters. So what the Soviet did was they adopted this plan to uh, basically, if if they, they, there is no benefit of the doubt. If they see a farmer, they're going to treat him the same as the Mujahideen. So anyone they saw, they would kill them basically. And obviously, uh, there was a lot of casualties, millions of refugees, millions of deaths. And uh, yeah, they fully left. But the USSR was still backing the Communist Party uh, until 1991. Um, the troops left, but uh, they were still helping the Communist Party keep power. And uh, before they left, they uh, put this guy, Mohammed Najibullah, in power. He was the president. And... Uh, yeah, they, they, they helped him for about two years until the Soviet Union in 91, nine, around 91, 92, they completely split apart. So there was no Soviet Union and Najibullah was uh, left on his own. So in 1992, the Mujahideen come in without the Soviets, Najibullah and his army are very weak. So it's kind of very, very, very similar to the situation right now except the Soviets. The Soviets back out, the army's weak, the country's weak, then the this group comes in and takes over um, Afghanistan. And it's the same thing that's happening right now. The U.S. back out, the troops are very weak, the country cannot defend themselves by themselves, and this other uh, group comes in and takes over the country. Um, except this group wasn't the Taliban, this group was the Mujahideen. Uh, so in 1992, Mujahideen come in and take Kabul. And the thing about the Mujahideen was they're not one, you know, strong group. They're many, many, many different groups that came together because of a, a common goal to defeat the Soviets. But they're different groups. So when they enter Kabul, these guys, now they don't have a common enemy. Now they're each other's enemies. And... Uh, they all had different beliefs, different ideas for how to run the country, for different ideas for the um, governments and all that. So, um, yeah, there was an agreement and then uh, fights broke out between them, which uh, basically 
wiped out nearly half of Kabul. Kabul is the capital city of Afghanistan. So it completely destroyed the country, completely destroyed the city. And one of the leaders of one of the main groups was uh, uh, Ahmad, Ahmad Shah Massoud. So he was uh, a leader of one of the Mujahideen groups. And he had a more progressive goal in mind. He wanted, yeah, okay, we can make it a uh, Islamic state, but I also want to give like more freedom. We don't want to make it, you know, totally Islamic and strict rules and all that. Uh, so he was one of the more popular guys, let's say. And uh, yeah, there was fighting amongst each other for a long time, and 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 uh, so now we need to kind of rewind. So just bear this in mind they were fighting so now let's leave it at that and go back to uh, the part where i talked about the refugees so i mentioned that the women and the children during the soviet afghan war they fled to neighboring countries so while all of this was happening in the background these refugees they they uh, fled their countries and they they were put in uh, madrasas, which is um, kind of like religious schools in uh, Pakistan and in the uh, in the border of of Afghanistan. So it was spread across Afghanistan and Pakistan. There were these schools where these kids were taught, and they were kind of specifically trained to, you know, come back and uh, retake their land in the future, fight back for their land. And this group was called the Taliban. So the Taliban, it literally translates to the students. Uh, it's uh, the students is Taliban in uh, in Arabic, so it's plural for student. And these guys were, you know, taught combat. They were taught about their religion. They were basically, essentially, um, taught that their their mission is to go back to uh, retake their country um, and take back what's rightfully theirs. So. Uh, while the Mujahideen were fighting, while the Soviet Afghan war, all of this was happening, these guys in the background are kind of preparing to take over in the future. So now let's go back to real time. So 1992 is where we left off. The Mujahideen take Kabul. They're fighting amongst themselves. And uh, the people become very tired of war. There was war, you know, there was like protests and riots when when the king was there and then the Soviets came and there was more riots and there was civil war, there was fights and... Uh, sorry, not civil war. There was a Soviet-Afghan war, and then uh, the Mujahideen came, and they fought amongst themselves. So it's been decades of just fighting, 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 and so around this time, the Taliban began begin to rise, and they're led by a guy called uh, Mullah Omar, and uh, he takes these uh, young group, and they start, you know, taking some cities, some villages, and. Um, yeah, they, they, they kind of bring justice to a lot of places. So they would catch the thieves and, um, yeah, all these bad guys. And, uh, yeah, they were, they were slowly taking a, a lot of the country. And a lot of people were supporting this. And they, they liked the idea of this new group coming in because it, they saw it as a sign of kind of like peace and stability. We're finally going to get that peace. We're not going to get all these guys fighting against each other for so long. So Taliban was kind of a, a symbol of hope for all these people. So they were kind of welcoming. They, um, the local people supported them. And uh, so they started slowly taking um, the, the whole country. And in 1996, they took Kabul. So... Uh, this was the first time they took Kabul and what seemed like you know a symbol of hope what seemed like very positive change what seemed like a peaceful takeover and life is going to get back to normal it was all wrong because these guys come in and uh, they rule like crazy <laughs> so these guys the Mujahideen come in to Kabul they take over the country and uh, what they do is they remove women from offices, they remove women from power, uh, powerful positions. 
women barely have any work they barely have any education they're barely allowed to study um, prayer times are mandatory uh, men having beards are mandatory afghan traditions and cultures are thrown out traditions that go back hundreds of years all those thrown out any celebrations that are non-religion related are illegal and uh if you're caught uh on the streets or any but anywhere else apart from the mosque or your home during prayer times you're beaten maybe even executed sometimes so video stores were burned down music movies banned uh, theaters were turned into mosques pets were forbidden um so obviously not a great life for these afghans <laughs> uh not any better than they uh had before and it's complete it's a complete disaster and um this is also a breeding ground for um many terrorists and drug traffickers and um you know all these terrible guys like al qaeda and osama bin laden who we will get onto in a bit and uh during this time the guy i had mentioned before ahmad shah masood who was one of the leader of one of the mujahideen groups so he was defeated and he backed into the mountains he backed into this um this province uh, it's called the panchir valley which translates to the five lions valley it's um it's a tajik name and it's it's on the border of tajikistan so the tajiks were also was also supporting ahmad shah masood a lot of his fighters uh, were of tajik ethnicity and uh uh, there was also something I read about uh, there was about there being a hospital near the border on the Tajik side where Ahmad Shah Masood would send his troops and soldiers to um, to uh, recuperate to get better to uh, heal them there, and uh, so yeah he backed into this north uh, the the north north of Afghanistan into this valley um, and he wanted to um you know continue with the resistance against the taliban there and you know implement that guerrilla warfare and uh um during this time the world kind of just ignored about what's all what's happening here and uh um they believed it would um kind of end up like saudi arabia which is an islamic state but you know be be more free and um, yeah, not as chaotic as it was then. They they believe they would slowly evolve. And uh, another thing that's uh, worth mentioning is that these guys, the main source, the Mujah uh, the Taliban, sorry, their main source of income was uh, drug trafficking. They were producing seventy five percent of the world's opium. They were drug traffic. Uh, they were uh, um, exporting heroin and opium and all these kind of drugs. Uh, at one point, they were exporting 4,000 tons of opium. And these guys consider themselves Muslims and they want to implement Muslim Islamic law and all that kind of stuff. But literally everything they're doing is against Islam. And I will uh, talk about this again uh, after I'm done with this story. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but yeah, so first of all, they're... You know dealing with drugs they're importing exporting drugs and they're making money off of it they're getting billions of dollar dollars this is their main source of income and drugs is not allowed in islam but this is where where their main source of income is coming from that's the first thing and the second you know they're forcing people to pray they're forcing people to you know um uh, do what they want they're forcing people to accept their religion and all that and all of that is against islam so I do not consider these guys Muslims, but I, I will get on to that in a bit. And uh, like I said, this place was a breeding ground for you know the terrorists and drug traffickers, all those people. And uh, in 1998, Al-Qaeda, which is a very famous terrorist organization led by Osama bin Laden, they declared war on the USA. And yeah, they were based in Afghanistan. And... The U.S. didn't take this threat very seriously at first, and they asked Pakistan to um, kind of look into the situation to see what's going on around here. And the Pakistan kind of lost their influence on the Taliban. They were funding them and helping them and all that, but the Taliban had become too powerful. They had a whole country in their hands now. They weren't going to listen to anyone. They were their own country now. They were like a sovereign state. 
and um so yeah a lot happened in between then and uh i don't want to get into too much detail i'm just kind of trying to give you guys the the broad image of what was kind of occurring at this moment and so 1998 al-qaeda declares war in the u.s and 2001 september 9th 9-11 um we all know the the, um, the attacks on the twin towers so uh that's when everything got <laughs> really serious so bin laden uh so the the thing well what, what happened is two days before that on the 7th of september they go to the north and they kill um ahmad shah masood and a lot of uh, it is settled in a lot of places that uh bin laden went up there and killed Ahmad Shah Masood as a gratitude, as a thank you to the Taliban for helping him and supporting him and letting him run his missions in Afghanistan. So uh, he went up there, he killed their main rival, and then he went through with his own attack on the U.S. on the Twin Towers, which, uh, as we all know, resulted in the deaths of thousands. And this is when the U.S. yeah, really took it seriously and they declared war on Al-Qaeda. And what they first did was they told Taliban to hand over Al-Qaeda, to hand over every single Al-Qaeda fighter and uh, yeah, to to um, basically cooperate with them. But the Taliban refused this. They acted all tough. So the U.S. declared war on the Taliban as well. So they go into Afghanistan. They very, very quickly... Um, destroy the Taliban, they remove them from power, they take back Kabul, they push them back. And the same thing uh, happens as uh, it is with the Soviet-Afghan war. These fighters, they back into the mountains and um, basically all of this in repeat. And uh, the so that was the U.S.'s initial mission there. They um, come in to, you know, fight terrorism, essentially. Uh, they tried to hunt down bin Laden and uh um yeah this war on terror uh as they called it but you know they they couldn't defeat all of them because of you know the guerrilla warfare the mountains all of that same same stories and the 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 funny thing is it all came back to bite them because these guys were the ones funding and supporting uh yeah, these organizations and now all of these weapons that they supplied that they funded them with is um is being used to fight against them and yeah so at first that's how it started so that's the whole history of it now we're getting to the more um recent times and um what happened was they spent yeah like i said a long time trying to find the terrorists and in 2011 osama bin laden was killed uh in somewhere in pakistan can't re exactly remember the city but uh, there's uh, you know a lot of conspiracies that he actually died in 2001 um because of some illness but um the official on the official records it says he was killed in 2011 so a lot of people may think so why was he there for an ex why was the u.s there for another um 10 years well uh, <laughs> Majority of people do not know the answer to that question. Their strategy was very incoherent. It was unclear. Uh, nobody knew for sure uh, what they were doing there in the last few years. And uh, um, what they say they were doing is they were training the troops and the Afghan troops and trying to um, train them to be self-sufficient, to protect themselves, and which uh, we clearly know did not work out at all. And they're kind of nation-building um, it, it was nation building. They were building roads. They were trying to build a democracy and all that. Regardless of what Joe Biden says, he says we're not there to nation build, but you were doing that. So, uh, yeah, they um, they're kind of helping this country grow and you know strive and yeah. And so now, coming to where we are today, Joe Biden a few months ago um, announces that by the September. By September 9th, he's going to completely pull out of Afghanistan. And, uh, yeah, all this chaos ensues. Chaos ensues. And th th their strategy to pull out was absolutely horrific. They, they left all their cars and weapons and their army bases and all of that. They, they didn't even bother to, you know, pack the stuff up and um, yeah, get ready to go. They just left it all there. 
So right now the Taliban is running around with American weapons, American cars, trucks, um, vehicles. So yeah, it was absolutely terrible. And why it ended up so bad, why the Afghans couldn't de- uh, defend themselves is because um, it's a very corrupt country. It's a, it had a very corrupt government. So they they said that they were uh, they they had a, an army of. 350,000 people plus and the Taliban had 75,000 people so everybody was wondering how they could possibly get defeated but there were a lot of reports saying that those numbers were lies and they said there was 350,000 people so they get the funding of uh, an army as big as 350,000 people where in fact they had maybe 50, 70,000 people but they were getting the money of um, five times that so uh, yeah very corrupt and the these these people in high positions high rankings they thought you know the Americans were going to help them out forever so um, they were kind of you know not too worried not too bothered just taking the money doing their own stuff with it and so that's one reason as to why the Taliban beat the the, the army so easily after the U.S. left and the second is that um i mean these guys the taliban they have one goal they have one mission they've been fighting for this for 20 years they have the heart they have the desire you know they have this something that drives them inside they're not afraid to die for what they're fighting for but these afghan guys they're not willing to do the same they're not defend willing to defend their country because their 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 leaders the people in in positions higher than them these guys are escaping, these guys are evacuating, running away while all of this is happening. So it, it's, it's like, uh, I use this analogy when I am when I was describing this to my cousin. It's like, let's say I'm a big strong guy, right? And I see two other pretty big guys. And I tell you, like, like maybe let's say you're not as strong, but you can fight, right? I tell you, all right, let's go. Like, I have a problem with those two guys. Let's beat them up. And you say, okay, fine. You know, you're with me, so uh, we can do it. And then we go up to them. We're about to, you know, swing. But I say, nah, I'm going to run away. I go away. So what? why uh, would you want to stay there? What's your intention? What, like, you have no reason in being there, you know? So that's the same analogy I use with these guys. If your leaders, if people who are, who are leading you, who you're fighting for are running away, they're they're not guiding you they're not helping you um then why should you stay you know so a lot of these people the the soldiers were running away they're running to neighboring countries in uzbekistan tajikistan pakistan iran um just trying to you know get away from this because yeah they thought they had no hope so that's why the taliban um took over afghanistan pretty quickly they took over kabul pretty quickly and yeah it's one of the craziest things to happen in the history of the world it's like it's astonishing (laughs) this is something in 40 50 years that kids will be learning about in history classes maybe right now just seems like uh not as crazy and um just i don't know i don't i i feel like people are making it out to be as big as it really is but maybe in the future somewhere down the line we will really start to see how big this really you know has become and I can understand where the U.S. is coming from when they say they want to pull out because they're not making any major progress. You know, their missions, their plans. I, I, I don't even know if they know what they're doing in Afghanistan. But the thing is why so many people are upset, why so many people are angry is because their exit strategy was absolutely horrible. It put so many lives in danger. Um, like right now we're seeing all this chaos and people embassies and organizations like the united nations all these people who are trying to you know escape and look at the chaotic scenes look what's happening right now yeah and how can you not anticipate that how can you first of all not know that you are being tricked you're being tricked it's it's not like ten dollars we're talking about you're funding them with trillions of dollars throughout the years you're building roads you're you're helping this nation and you don't know that they're tricking you by providing you with false numbers of troops. Troops that you are training. Like, it just seems absolutely ridiculous to me. It seems crazy. And 
and and and then they were saying oh we don't think they will take over kabul and in the next two days they take over kabul how embarrassing is that that just shows how like ignorant they are to the situation how how i know they're i don't know what they're doing they're living in their own world but yeah the exit strategy was absolutely terrible that's the first thing and Joe Biden says we're not nation building, but you are nation building. And if you start something, finish it. You started this thing. You you entered Afghanistan. You created millions of refugees. So now you gotta help them. You kind of are responsible for that now. You you put yourself into that situation. You started this whole thing. So I mean, it's your responsibility to you know go to the very end with it now. So now the scenes in Afghanistan are absolutely um, t- horrible. Uh, a lot of the people that were helping directly or indirectly helping the the foreign countries, you know, helping the British forces, the American forces, that were the the local people I'm talking about here, the Afghans that were helping them, like let's say translators and the cooks and cleaners and. Um, people working in the United Nations as drivers and security guards and all that, they're in a lot of danger because the Taliban is going to target them. They're going to probably kill them. Um, I, I think there's nothing that we shouldn't expect from them. So um, they're in terrible spots because of the U.S.'s terrible plans. And the airports are chaotic, the scenes at the airports, especially in the early days before it was under complete control by the American um army we saw how terrible things were then you know with the, the i i think everyone has pretty much everyone has seen the videos by now when a plane american plane was taking off you know hundreds of afghans running after the plane and you know holding onto the plane and uh yeah it's 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 really sad to see because like they're holding onto a plane which i think means three things first either they know they're going to be killed by the Taliban, so I'm just gonna why not? I'm just gonna risk it and be killed, you know, in the air by this plane or fall down from this plane. That's the first thing they might have been thinking of. The second is, um, it's kind of like a fight or flight situation. You, it's it's, it's crazy. You you're you have so much adrenaline. You 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 don't know what to do. You can't think right. So I guess you're just trying to you know hold on to the last hope. And the third thing maybe. Like these, the I'm not these things. I don't know for sure. These are just my thoughts on it. And the third thing, maybe they just they don't have a uh, a good enough edu- education. They don't know a lot about planes. They've never sat on a plane. They've never seen a plane. So maybe they think it's like I don't know, like a ten twenty minute ride to America, and it's gonna be just you know hanging off the side of the plane, and you arrive there <laughs> not knowing that it's maybe 15 16 hour journey first of all and second you're going 25 30,000 even higher maybe feet in the air and you're going to freeze to death and yeah so we saw like these two guys one of which was a 19 year old kid fall off the plane and uh there were also scenes of you know like families giving away their infant babies like four or five months old babies to to the american troops just because like especially they were giving away like baby girls because they didn't want them to grow um grow up in afghanistan with the taliban they know we can't make it there they're not going to accept us but at least take our kids which is again absolutely terrible like could you imagine that you're giving away your own child you're giving away your child because you're afraid of the life they will have here like uh, it's absolutely heartbreaking it's crazy (laughs) um yeah it's 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 a terrible situation there i really feel for the afghans and now that i've gone through all of this i want to get to some of the comments being being made around you know the world some of the things i've been seeing on social media and on the news and all of that some of the things that have pissed me off a lot (laughs) um like you know going uh, like when it was still relatively fresh when it was still you know just all happening and they Canada and the US and Germany and other nations they announced that they were all accepting 20 to 30,000 refugees each 
when I read that, I felt very happy. I was like, oh, this is nice. Very like even if it's twenty thousand, it's very little. You should be accepting way more, but at least it's something, right? And I thought you'd see a lot of the same thing in on, on like you know Instagram, Facebook, whatever social media. And when I read the comments, I was I was devastated. Like I was I was truly devastated. I was like, well, what kind of world do we live in? It, it was terrible. I, it made me so mad because. I expect that all the support and all of this for the, these people, but then there are people in there saying like, "Oh, why don't we, you know, take care of our own people first? Well, I can't even buy a house." Blah 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 blah. It it just shows how spoiled people are. Like, they're living in their own reality. They they could not live a day in the shoes of these Afghan people. These guys have been like all they've known since the day they were born is war, war, war. And they finally have a chance at a better life. And you guys are like, you know, saying this. They don't, oh, we like, take care of us, blah, 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 blah. Like, and and <laughs> there's a funny, funny post I saw. Like, one of one woman was like, um, talking about, I don't know, she was like making a video of herself, like crying about someone calling her like obese or something. And, Okay, yeah, um, fat shaming, whatever, like, okay, it shouldn't be allowed, but you are obese, face the fact, you're unhealthy, you are obese, it's, 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 it's a stated fact, no one is laughing at you, they just stated you're obese, and she was, like, crying so much about it, and blah, 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 oh, people are so mean to me, and then someone commented, I, I can't remember who it was, like, a journalist or some celebrity, and they were like, people are literally dying in Afghanistan, and you're crying here about someone telling you facts. Like, it just, it just shows how, like, everybody is, like, kind of in their own little world, you know. And that that's another reason why maybe this isn't being treated as big as it really is. And, yeah, it's it's, it's just it's just absolutely devastating. And, and there was another thing I saw on, um, on, this, on this Instagram page where uh, this guy announced that he was taking in, like, Afghan refugees it was like some veteran some 70 year old guy and a lot of people said oh shit, I'm gonna do that too I'm gonna do that too and there was like a ton of people saying yeah I'll take him into my house I'll take and then there were and I checked the comments and again same thing like so much negativity and oh why don't you take in the homeless why didn't you take in this why didn't you take in that but if you are so concerned about the homeless and all these poor people in your country then why don't you help them why don't you help them in any way? Because you're not doing that. But suddenly when it's about Afghan refugees whose lives are a threat, then you care about all these other guys. Which tells me that maybe it's not about you caring about the homeless. Maybe it's something to do with you being racist. You know, just maybe. <laughs> so this reaction I've seen, like, and, and like, there's a lot of people complaining about their economy. Like in Canada, they were saying... Oh, the economy is already bad, and you know the last time we accepted refugees, it plummeted. Blah blah blah, and the same thing's gonna happen this time. We do not learn from mistake. Blah 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 blah. And okay, that may be true, but I don't care how much money, I don't care how much of an economic burden it is. No amount of you know economic troubles, no amount of money is gonna be worth people's lives, thousands of people's lives. And these these guys are just talking like you know it's a it's a game it's a joke, like you know it's 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 nothing that big. But these guys' lives are at stake, and I th I think all these people cannot empathize with them, cannot sympathize with them, cannot you know understand what they're going through because they've barely seen a day of you know um a day of. You know, adversity in their lives you know they they face that the most adversity they face is you know trying to get up and get to work on a monday whereas these afghans are fighting for their lives every single day and that's what's the worst thing about it you know the, the these west the western the western people who i'm not seeing all people of course I'm seeing a lot of them, all especially these guys making these comments on the on the on the Instagram um, uh, comment sections. And and you know a funny thing about these guys, some of these guys when I see like a really like bad comment and that makes me mad, I go into the comment, uh, I click the profile that made the comment, 
and so many of them are burner accounts. They're accounts that are created specifically for like, you know, saying this stuff for trolling. Because these guys are afraid to actually voice this opinion to the public to, you know, show themselves and say this. A lot of the people like have the fake accounts just to say this stuff because they know what they're saying is wrong. They know all of this is bullshit. So they have to hide to say it. It's 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 just it's like this type of stuff just blows my mind, you know. How are people this insensitive? How do people have this much of you know a dark heart? But yeah, so it's it's a terrible situation. I I hope I'm not boring you guys by you know continuously talking. I don't think I um, probably structured this right, but this is a topic I. I'm pretty passionate about it. It's close to home since it's so close to my country. And um, yeah, speaking of close to my country, uh, another thing I forgot to mention was the guy Ahmad Shah Massoud. He's a, he's a hero to the Afghan people. He's seen as you know this this lion, this this you know huge heroic figure, and his son is currently in um, that same valley in Panjshir Valley. His son uh, has a Western education. He studied in London and he went back to Afghanistan and he is trying to, you know, avenge his father, get revenge for his father. And he's planning a resistance against the Taliban right now. I don't know how successful that will be, but um, yeah, <laughs> we'll see. And um, yeah, so what's the situation right now in Afghanistan is... The Taliban have said all the right things and, you know, in the public eye, they're trying to, you know, assure everyone that it's going to be all fine. And the Western media is buying into a lot of their crap They're, You know, they're saying like uh, before they entered Kabul, they they didn't enter with force. They didn't enter with any violence. They said, we don't want to, you know, take Kabul by force. We'll let them resign. And um, they peacefully took over and they they, they came in because they wanted uh to prevent looting and to prevent chaos and um they said yeah we will like uh um allow women to work and all of that and allow all, all of things like uh, within the islamic framework uh, within the sharia law framework and uh you know they're making all these big claims and statements like oh we're gonna be good we're gonna do this we're gonna do that blah 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 all of this again is bullshit. Like you, you still see, if you look deep enough, you still story, still see stories of, you know, like um, they're going to houses door by door to like in many villages, and they're finding any girl who is above the age of twelve, and uh, they're marrying them off to their soldiers, and you know they're abusing people, going around beating people up and stuff, and um, yeah, it's again absolutely terrible situation i think people should be more considerate of that and like i said some of these people making these comments about economy blah 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 we don't want you afghans and all this they would not live a day in the lives of these guys so yeah it's it's just and and i see like more than i don't know if it's maybe my like just like what I from what I remember, I see like more negative comments, and I don't know if it's like, um, just the ones that I remember, the ones that made me mad, or if that was literally the case. But just you know, seeing, I I saw basically enough of it to say, like, damn, <laughs> this uh, shitty world right now. But yeah, I wish wish the best of luck to the Afghan people, and I think I'm gonna probably ended off there i don't know if i missed something and again apologies for um the way i told this whole story it was kind of all over the place um wasn't structured right i tried my best with it but again it's a topic it's yeah very close to home very i'm very passionate about and uh um kind of rambled on for too long again uh but uh, yeah next one hopefully i'll structure it better and uh um maybe not ramble on as much anymore but hope you guys learned for something from it if you didn't then uh well that sucks because this was the whole purpose of it (laughs) so for me to kind of explain um 
the whole situation in simpler terms and uh yeah just just to give a quick summary basically you know soviets go into afghanistan to expand their communist influence they um are met with uh, a lot of uh um resistance by the local people they don't like the communists and uh they engage in guerrilla warfare and the local people have the advantage the soviets pull out and this war created a lot of refugees and uh, uh these refugees became the taliban or the students uh, in translation and uh, the mujahideen take over kabul after the soviets leave the taliban came defeat the mujahideen al qaeda um is supported by the taliban uh al qaeda attacks the us the us asks the taliban to turn them over Taliban says no. The US attacks the Taliban and Al-Qaeda stays there for 20 years doing who knows what and uh after 20 years they pull out and create all this chaos. So, yeah, terrible. Um truly 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 wish all the very best for the Afghan people. They do not I I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. It's what's happening to them is horrible. They've experienced it their whole lives poor guys can't catch a break and yeah just um hope they they are helped somehow um and i hope all these people that are making these calm these stupid comments you know realize how terrible these guys lives are and um every day they fight for their lives so um yeah they should they should kind of see it from their point of view and uh see how hard their lives are and i hope these western countries realize that too the leaders of these countries and accept um all these refugees um yeah so that's pretty much it hope you all have a great day and uh i'll try not to leave uh as much of a break um between this podcast and the next but yeah we'll see um have a great day and see you guys later